Uh, there's so much going on in our world. If, if you were confused and, and didn't have the roadmap, it is so very, very simple. We're living in the last days. Amen. I wouldn't be distracted at all. I would keep my eyes on the coming of the Lord Jesus and the kingdom of God being the priority in my life. Amen. That's why I'm in the house of God tonight. Praise God, because I want to be ready. Praise God. I said I want to be ready. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 43. Praise God. I bring you greetings from Rosarito, Mexico. I took some mail down to Brother Peyton and Sister London and his century card so he can get in and out of the country quickly. And uh, so we had a good visit with them. And it's good to see Tyler and Tony back from their honeymoon in the house of God. Amen. We love this couple. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny today. He sought me out and he said they went to Mexico for their honeymoon at a resort, but you had to drive quite a distance to get there. And he told me this morning, he said, Pastor, I just want you to know, I, I, I don't think I have it in me to be a missionary. So he said, I've never been out of the country before. I could not believe what I was seeing. Amen. But I bring you greetings from Mexico, from a couple that's trying their best to do the work of God. And this morning, they had 25 in church this morning, and God did a great thing. And very, very excited. You know, in Mexico, you can have revival real fast. Actually, it's probably kind of like the founding of this church during the Verbal Bean Revival days because families came in. Well, in Mexico, they are more family-oriented by far than we are in the United States. That, that's, a, that's a strike against us. Popular culture has just about eradicated the, the family. But in Mexico, one family could be five, could be seven, could be eight. And so this morning, it was a whole family, a whole family of five that were in the house of God. So we're, we're continuing to believe that God is doing great things. Amen. When, when we are limited and we are at our weakest, we had a great visit with them. They're doing a great job. They're trying to learn Spanish. They're burning up the road. They're, they're, they're doing the work of God. They're wore out. They've only been there for two, two weeks, and they're on their third week. And so at some point in the visit, we had an opportunity to do some leisure. We were playing a little golf. And Peyton hit the ball, went off into a canyon. He was so disgusted with his golf game <laughs> that he threw his club into, into the bag. And he said, I can't golf. He said, I can't preach well because I can't speak Spanish. I'm trying to learn Spanish. I said, well, here's a good thing, bro. You're at the bottom, right? You only got, there, there's only one way you can go, right? From the bottom, you're going, you're going up. But you know what? That's what's interesting. When we're in that position, God uses us. Praise God. When we think we got it all, then it doesn't work out as well. But when we say, God, th this is all I can give you. This is it. I'm willing to give you everything that I've got. And when we do that, God steps in and starts doing miracles, signs, and wonders. How about you say and I say, God, just use me. Use me. I know I'm not everything I need to be, but that's right where I need to be. Amen. Praise God. And so they... Send you greetings. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 43. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished, cleaned out, clean, but didn't look lived in. That's very, very key in this passage of Scripture. This is not saying this is a good thing. And so for, the, for some of you that are reading this thinking it's empty, swept, and it's garnished, 
meaning that somebody's taking care of it. That's not what it's meaning. It means that it looks abandoned. It's not filled. There's no activity. There's not work. There is no sign of life. And it's empty, and it's garnished, and it's swept, but nothing is happening. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Amen. Since we're talking about a generation looking for the day that is approaching, let's have a discussion about a generation, this generation. Amen. Jesus is speaking a parable here. He's talking about the nation of Israel. He's talking about John the Baptist. He's talking about a revival, but he's also talking about a recognition that people have not put forth the effort to live in the fulfillment and promises of God. Amen. So I want to preach for a few moments here tonight. Here come the bullies. Here come the bullies. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us. We thank you for your touch and your anointing. We thank you for your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Students and parents are calling for culture changes at a New Jersey high school a week after a 14-year-old freshman died by suicide. I think it's time for students and parents to call for culture changes. I believe the church should be calling for a culture change. Praise God. You can get so caught up in the wickedness of the world and the carnality of the world, and I'm just talking about the busyness of the world, that you lose sight of something that is greater that is in the world. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. I am greater than the world, and I'm bringing a truth that is greater in the world. Students and parents are upset in New Jersey because Adriana Olivia, on February the 3rd, killed herself after a video of her being attacked by four classmates spread around Central Regional High School in Bayville, New Jersey. Her father is demanding action from the school district and students on Wednesday staged a walkout to protest. The school district, the grieving father and fellow students say that we haven't done enough to curb bullying especially as suicides are on the rise nationally. The U.S. suicide rate grew by 4% in 2021, including a 7% increase in suicides among young people ages 15 through 24. I'm preaching here tonight to that demographic, but it's not just young people that experience despair and hopelessness. Amen. But I want to be a voice to tell you the opposite. Whatever the world is trying to tell you, I want to tell you, standing in this pulpit, flat-footed, that there is a God that's got better things for you, and you should identify your life not based on what you're hearing in the world. There's a lot of voices. Praise God. But listen to this voice in the house of God here tonight. God loves you. I want this out. Michael, her father, stated of the details of assault and bullying, which experts say can be a con contributing factor, but is not the thought to be a singular cause of suicide. There's a lot of causes that are associated with that. But in this particular case, it becomes very, very obvious. And he said, I want them to fix this broken system. 
I want to tell you, I don't want to be negative here tonight, but I'm not so sure that people can fix the broken system. I think the broken system has been, been caused by people who have broken the system. The only way the system is going to be fixed is when people get an understanding and recognition that I need to repent of my sins. My sins and my activity is what is driving me to produce the consequences. And there are no holes that can be plugged by a bureaucracy. The only only thing that can happen that can change is when God gets in the mix and revival starts taking place and there is a renewing of spiritual activity. The video showed an assault on Adriana on the school grounds that was recorded by student observers. It seems like whenever, you know, you would think people would jump in and help and not nowadays they're, they're recording what's going on because they're too afraid of stepping in and so everybody has their cameras out instead of stepping in and trying to help. She showed through this video that she was walking down a school hallway when a female student approached her and began to repeatedly hit her in the face with a water bottle. She fell to the floor. The girl continued to pull her hair, punching her head. At least two students off camera can be heard cheering on the assault. And after 30 seconds of melee, two school employees rushed over to interrupt the assault, which left Adriana bruised and bloodied on the floor. Her father said, which then led her to despair when they posted it online so that it could be shared among all of her, her peer group. We need to be a people that rises up in support of godliness, not wickedness. We need to be a people that rises up and says, we want righteousness, not unrighteousness. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's got to come from the core of who we are. If, if, if you're sneaking around here on the fringes and you want unrighteousness and you want wickedness, hallelujah, that's not the direction that we're going. We want you to go with us. We'll rise up and stand against all of that, but we want everybody to be in the middle of what God is doing, and we've got opportunity to be used of God. This is a real problem in development. I understand that. The playground is a cruel place sometimes, both physical and online. This has always been a problem connected to the fallen nature of people. But I just want to interject this and say we should be about building people up, not tearing people down. Praise God. I know we live in a fallen world, but it should not be stated that the church is a place that is overly critical and tearing everybody down with all of their imperfections and failures. We need the people that have some convictions, but we also need to be supportive of everybody. You need to live for God. Praise God. You need to live right. You need to do right. You need to walk right. You need to dress right. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're not going to tear you down, but we're going to build you up. Let's get in this thing together and let's live for God in difficult times. And in the midst of that, let's have revival. What do you say in the house of God here tonight? We have revival in the midst of confusion and trouble and chaos. There's an anchor to the soul and his name is Jesus. Praise God. You look at the scripture and you will find a lot of bullies there's there's always that's a that's a that's almost a rite of passage you're going to come across people even if they're on the outside and sometimes on the inside god help us with people on the inside that are bullies this this should not be the testimony of the church but the church should testify praise god you know what i felt at the lowest and there was some people that built me up and said you can make it you can do it you can survive there is a church family 
that is thankful that you're in the house of God. There were other friends that forsook you, walked away from you, discounted you, marginalized you, but not us. We believe that God is able to do the miraculous. I said, we believe that God is able to do the miraculous. And when you didn't feel like you could lift your hands, now you can lift your hands in the house of God. When you when you felt like you didn't have a place, now you've got a place in the house of God. When you might have felt like you don't have a family in the house of God, you got a family. you got an extended family. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so you look, you look in the scripture and you're going to find there's, there's always been bullies. Joseph's brothers didn't like his dreams, didn't like his passion, felt like that he was fingernails on a chalkboard. And so they conspired together to sell him into slavery. Bullies. He gets into Egypt. He's working in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife makes a play to him and then accuses him when he stands up with some convictions and, and accuses him of sexual assault. Bullies. David, when he met Goliath, Goliath looked at him, mistreated him, bully, bully, tried to bully him into walking off of the battlefield. Elijah, a prophet, a mighty man of God, when Jezebel heard what he had done on Mount Carmel, she wrote a letter and she tried to bully him into silence. Almost every one of the prophets were bullied because of their message. They put Jeremiah into a cistern that had no water. It was mud, and they buried him in the mud in a slime pit. Bullies! Daniel had some discipline and prayed, but because there were individuals in government that didn't like it, they tried to construe some story and narrative that made its way to the upper echelons of government until the king issued a decree that there would be no such thing happening, and if someone did, they would be thrown in the lion's den. Bullies. Esther found herself under the, the difficulties of Haman that tried to construct and concoct a story that was going to discriminate against the Jews and it caused her some precarious maneuvering to step forth into the king's palace and, 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 and plead for mercy. Bullies. Jesus in his ministry, everywhere that he went, there were always the Sadducees and the Pharisees trying to bully him into silence. The disciples were bullied by the chief priests into stopping what they were doing. Every single one of these individuals felt that turmoil and that anxiety and that stress and they had to work their way through that and try to keep their grip on reality but they refused to stop speaking about the goodness of God. I want to preach to somebody. You may feel like the bullies have come and they're trying to attack you from every angle. I want to tell you, don't stop speaking. Don't stop testifying. Don't stop praising. Don't stop praying. Hallelujah. Keep reaching forth to what God has for you. Praise God, we live in a cancel culture that would love to shut you up, stop you, keep you from speaking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who's on the Lord's side? Hallelujah. We're on the Lord's side. We're following the scripture. We believe in the design of the scripture. You're a man and you're a woman and God created you that way. You can try to bully me, cancel me, and do whatever, but I'm going to stand in this pulpit and say with love and determination, God knows what he's doing because he's the creator. 
Why is it that people do this? Why is it that people, I mean, that's a really good question here. If the bullies are coming, why are they coming? And what is the reason for why, what they're doing? Well, somebody did a study and they tried to get scientifically at some of these answers. The only way that you can do that is you have to do a survey. You've got to have questions that articulate things that can be then extrapolated and you can have data and it statistically can show that there are trends to some of these things and there are some definite patterns in some of the studies that have been shown. One of the things that is shown is that people bully because of stress and trauma. People that are underneath trauma and stress are far more likely than the average person to be a bully because they have experienced or they are experiencing a stressful or traumatic situation. And so it may be things like parents and guardians splitting up the death of a relative or the gaining of something or losing of something in their life. And so people have different coping mechanisms and sometimes this stress is too much for individuals and they don't know how to handle it. Some people have positive coping mechanisms. There's exercise, there's walking the dog, there's other things that you can do, but some people may not understand or have some of those abilities and so they end up transferring their stress and their trauma onto other people by trying to take advantage or control to somehow make themselves feel better. Praise God. Let me say this. That's not the way to relieve yourself of stress. This is the refreshing, and that's talking about the Holy Ghost. You want to relieve yourself of stress and trauma? You need to get in the presence of God. You need to get into an environment where the Holy Ghost is moving, and there's a power that is poured out in your life. You're not going to get there without it. Low self-esteem is another one of these trends. In order to mask how a person actually feels about themselves, some people who bully focus their attention on somebody else. When my life doesn't measure up to where I want it to be, it makes me anxious, it makes me angry, and so therefore, in a way to kind of level the playing field, I'm going to take it out on innocence. This is a lot of the reasons why we have school shootings and what have you. This is a whole discussion, but many times it's because somebody feels marginalized by society. And instead of trying to find a productive way to deal with that, they take it out on innocent people. This is one of the reasons why people bully. They might look in the mirror at home and hate the way that they look. And there is so much pressure to live up to beauty and standards that are taught to compare ourselves to others instead of bracing the beauty that God created us with. And so they take that out. Out on other people. Here come the bullies. It's physical and it's online. It's social media. It's comparative analysis. Listen to me preach here tonight. Don't compare yourself with somebody else and even somebody you don't even know. That's probably a lie, an illusion, and it's not even real. Identify yourself by what we feel in the house of God tonight. Praise God, identify yourself with the anointing of God that we feel in this place tonight. You thankful for the anointing of God? Are you thankful for the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah, where would we be without the anointing of God? One of the trends to bullying is that they've been bullied themselves. People who have experienced bullying are twice as likely to go on and bully others. Maybe they were bullied as kids in the past, or maybe they're being bullied now. And so this becomes a defense mechanism. And people tend to believe that by bullying others, they will become immune to being bullied themselves. But it just becomes a vicious cycle of negative behaviors. 
Some people that bully, they have a difficult home life. Our cir uh, circumstances in society is not the best anymore. The, the children that come from our community into our church for T-Rockets and children's ministry, they're not coming from stable situations. They're not coming from stable circumstances. There's a lot of rejection that they feel from the very people that should love them unconditionally. They are more likely to come from violent households with lots of arguments and hostility. And so in order to try to deal with this, they end up lashing out at other people. And then there are people who bully because they feel like their friendships and family relationships aren't very secure. And so they do what they do out of insecurity. And in order to try to maintain some things and feel like they have some kind of place among their peers, they end up being pressured to do stuff that they would not do on their own. But because they're trying to maintain some kind of relationship, they'll end up doing stuff. This is the pack mentality. This is the example and the illustration that I gave you at a school where somebody is beaten to the point where they want to give up on life and some people get sucked up into that. The wise man said this is what you would call folly. Just because everybody is doing it and you feel the peer pressure to do it doesn't mean that it is right. Hallelujah. Get some convictions that say my identity is not based on a bunch of friends that really don't know me. They really don't have any concern about me. They would leave me at the drop of a coin. But there's a God that I'm serving that will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He doesn't walk away from me. But he's always there for me. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody needs to worship the Lord in the house of God tonight. We need to hear this message here tonight. There's a lot of people, they don't care about you, but there's a God that cares about you. Hallelujah. There's a God that is on your side. Amen. And so this, this causes it, the, in, the insecurity is a matter of controlling. And so the bullies, all the bullies that are read in the scripture, here come the bullies. They all came to try to control the situation. There was a loss of power in these dynamics of relationships, whether it was religious institutions like the Pharisees and Jesus, whether it was government like Joseph and Potiphar, and his situation in the bureaucracy, whether it was the Jews and the interaction between their status in the world, whether it was people going astray and a prophet trying to keep them to maintain their balance and stasis and alignment because of insecurity and wanting things to be secure, it became, became a matter of control. And so the bullies come to control. And, and the person that is being bullied, they end up being defined by isolation. And when they get into isolation and there's no discussion and there's no communication, all of a sudden it feels like the walls are closing in. Things are getting tighter. And, and, and now the insecurity is running rampant and their mind is completely going through all of this stress and anxiety. And it drives a person to define their situation by the standards of others. This is why cyberbullying is what is online and so very powerful. There is a shaming. There's a criticism. There's a constant negativity. And a person becomes identified by the definition of others. Jesus, in this passage of Scripture that we read in the beginning, is talking about Israel, and he's talking to anybody else that will listen. When a spirit goes out, there's a spirit that's going to come 
come back and here come the bullies. Praise God. There's going to be spiritual attacks on your life. There are going to be bullies that try to silence you, stop you, and keep you from living for God. But I want to preach to you there is something that is more powerful than the bullies that are coming. They can come with seven, which is the number of perfection, but there's a God that creates the seven because he's the God of perfection. Praise God. He's going to go before you. Hallelujah. Who's able to stand against me if the Lord is going before me? Praise God. So their identities become identified and defined by other people. This is, this is so very, very common. And we see this to the point where people would commit suicide because they're, they're so disinclined to believe that their life even measures up to some relevance or reality. They, they don't have any purpose and their destiny is wrapped up on what everybody else is saying. Thank God that we've got the scripture that anchors us because if the individuals that I read to you operated on that kind of existence, they would have never done anything for God. Praise God. But thank God. They recognized it. They were able to deal with it. And they were able to come through it because God was on their side. Praise God. It wasn't easy. It was difficult. It was a struggle. Hallelujah. But God was with them every step of the way. And so when spiritual attacks come my way, I'm not giving in, giving up. I'm not walking away. Hallelujah. But I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord. <laughs> some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen. So in this passage of scripture that we have read here, talking about the unclean spirits, I looked up several commentaries. This was a parable. It comes in this particular chapter in Matthew, and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and there's a discussion about spiritual authority and power and ability, and so it's, it's somewhat uh, difficult to understand, so I started looking at some commentaries to try to figure out exactly what is going on. However, I would say just on my casual reading, I would say based on just a casual reading that that the Holy Ghost operates and moves into your life and it fills the house. Praise God. And then that is something that you, you, you've got to develop and you've got to mature in that. You clean the house. You, you eradicate everything. You remove everything from the house. And God fills the house. And in the book of Acts, the, one of the most famous words that you'll come over and over again is Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But if, if you don't take time and attention to that, there's going to be a period in your life when the Holy Ghost dissipates. And there's not a function, there's not life, there's not a growing, there's not a movement toward the things of God. And so the spirit that you kicked out is coming back. The bullies are coming back. And they're coming back with more firepower. And if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, praise God, and God's operating in your life, and you're working, and you're there, and you're in the house, then it's going to be very, very very easy for there to be a break-in and a breakout in your life, hallelujah, that consumes you completely. It is important to be full of the Holy Ghost. Every service you come to, you should pray for a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Every time you have opportunity to be in the house of God, you should say, God, give me more fire. Give me more firepower because I know the bullies are coming. Hallelujah. But I know that you're able to give me the ability to rise above that. I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. I'm in the house of God on a Sunday. Fill me up because I know Monday morning there's going to be a spirit that is coming. Tuesday morning there's a bully that is coming. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I started looking at this and I got some interesting historical components to it that I wouldn't have otherwise have gotten. 
because Jesus is speaking to an audience. He's speaking to a first century audience, and he's responding to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so the wandering demon is applied to, first of all, applied to the Jewish nation, which is the man. The unclean spirit goes out of the man. And so what that's referring to is when John the Baptist comes and he preaches a baptism of repentance, there is a spiritual renewal among the people. They come out of Jerusalem. They go down the hill to Jericho. They cross into this little muddy river called the Jordan River. And there is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is preaching. And people come. And there is a spiritual renewal as there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is the preaching of John the Baptist. And so there is a swept and garnished period that happens in the life of Israel. And yet there is a lack of meaningful change in the character of the people. They neglect Jesus in his ministry. And, and, and so there is a period in their life where there is this spiritual upsurge. But then they don't follow through with it. And then the spirit is not like that. The spirit is not like, well, I just left and so I'm, I'm not going back and that's okay. It's the opposite. The spirit finds seven other spirits and comes back and then tries to attack again because the spirit the devil, the evil spirits are never satisfied. You need to remember that. You need to mark that down somewhere in your Bible. The evil spirits are never satisfied. Well, I'm just going to check out the church tonight because I really don't want to put forth the effort. You don't know what's coming the next week because they're never satisfied. They never give up. They never walk away. They never take a day off. If they never take a day off, why are you taking a day off and living for God? Well, I'll just go do this and for a week I'll just do my own thing and then I'll come back to church. You better be careful because the evil spirits are never satisfied. And they'll come back with more. I'm telling you, the bullies are coming. Hallelujah. But I'm thankful in the house of God here tonight. There's some people that are saying, we're not taking a day off. We're about the king's business. We're about the father's business. I'm not backing up, giving in, walking away. I'm on the job. And I'm going to keep doing until he comes back. Praise God. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's keep working. Let's keep having revival. There's a hostility of unrelenting forces of evil and their determination against Jesus and his people. And they don't give up. And so this devil, this demon goes out, goes out of the man. So this, if this, if this is how you're, if this is how you're first viewing this, a lot of interpretation of scripture can be done like a, a concentric circle. That's like a circle within a circle. So it has, it has focus and meaning in the inner circle to the time frame in which it was written. And then it has meaning outside of that. So Jesus' ministry had an internal dialogue with the people in the first century. But it also has meaning for us in 2023. So it's like a concentric, a concentric circle. And so in this, it's talking about Israel, talking about John the Baptist, it's talking about they swept and garnished, but they didn't maintain, they didn't live in it, they didn't focus on it. And so here comes the spirit coming from waterless places. Now, this is fascinating. You can, uh, it's a commentary. So commentaries, uh, some, sometimes there's good information, sometimes there's information that you might ignore, and then sometimes there's information that's interesting. But it was perceived in a superstitious first century world that waterless places were supposed to be attractive to demons. They were thought to take advantage of people who borrowed water, and they were said to take up residence in crumbs or fragments of food. 
Now, this is fascinating because Jesus asked the woman at the well for water. Jesus said, I'm not afraid of your superstitions because I'm the one that created the water. And so if there is any demons or devils in the water, it's not going to go anywhere because I'm greater than every devil in hell. And it's also fascinating because when he fed the 5,000 and there were fragments that remained, he said, gather them all up because he said, I'm greater than any. Hey, Jesus is greater than any devil that could ever come against you. You need to stop talking about the devils and start talking about how good Jesus is. I said, you need to stop talking about all the devils and start talking about how Jesus saved me. He sanctified me. He justified me. He redeemed me. He picked me up. He elevated me. He encouraged me. He had mercy on me. He gave his grace to me. There's a lot to talk about Jesus. The swept and garnished condition is Israel's lack of the fruits of repentance. And it's a warning to all of us that no house can remain long, empty, unused, swept, garnished, or idle. It's idleness. It's empty. It's unused. There has to be activity. Not, not emptiness, not superficial decoration, not negative goodness, but a life that is being constantly improved and dedicated and pressed and worn out in service to God. You say, Pastor, I'm, just, I'm so busy, I'm just worn out. That's where you need to be, worn out. You say, really? You know, every once in a while I talk to somebody and say, you know what, you're doing too many things, and when you try to do too many things at one time, you don't do the best job at any one thing, so let's look and see the one thing that you're going to do the best job at and then give everything you've got to that one job. But it's not about just checking completely out. I understand sometimes you need to take a rest. And if you got married, it's about two years, according to the Old Testament, that you spent trying to figure all that out. So I understand that. But I will say this. I don't think it's a good idea just to be idle. You've got to busy yourself in the kingdom of God. You've got to be working. And so a life that is worn out to the extent, use me, use everything that I am for the kingdom of God because I want to be used of you. I don't want a spirit to come and look at the house and the condition of the house and lurk and seek opportunity to return with seven worse than himself and take over and plunge my soul into greater wickedness than ever before. That is what happened to Israel. Praise God. But thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God. There is a fulfillment and a feeling that can happen. When the devil comes to your house, it is filled. Somebody is there and you meet him at the door. It's not empty. It's not some Airbnb where you just put in a code and you walk in and nobody is there. No, when you knock on the door, it's open and there is somebody there occupying in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let the anointing of God be in your life so that when the enemy comes with temptations and difficulties you got an answer you got a response you got a power you got an ability the bullies are coming holy ghost has to be activated praise god sorrowful for a hurting world but there is a gospel that is good news amen we're not defined by others we are defined by the cross to a destiny and to a ministry. Paul, when, when he was writing, he didn't say, you know what, I looked around and Demas hath forsaken me and I've run into difficulties and the beast of Ephesians and they have said this about me and so that's who I am. 
Paul didn't say that in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul, how are you identifying your life? How are you identifying your ministry? I'm identifying it through the power of Calvary. Jesus Christ at Calvary shed his blood for me. That's how I identify my life. I was in sin and trespasses, and such were some of you. But there was blood applied to my life that washed me and cleansed me. You know how I identify my life? Before Christ and after Christ. Jesus did a great work in my life. I've got a testimony of the goodness and the greatness of God. I'm not defined by people. I'm not defined by the world. I'm not defined by my enemies. I'm not defined by the accuser of the brethren. But I am defined by the power that is in Calvary. He shed his blood. They put him in a grave, but it came up out of the grave with all power. That's how I'm identified. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. As the musicians come, Paul said, I'm identifying my life based on what Jesus Christ has done in the life that I live. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4, he said this, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know why you're in heavenly places here tonight? Praise God. You can identify with that passage of scripture. It's the same for us as it was with Paul. We're in heavenly places. Why? Because Jesus loved us. When I was dead in sins, he quickened us together. He saved us through his grace. He raised us up together. We've got a testimony that we should be bold about. I'm identified by the power that is in Jesus Christ. I'm not identified by alcoholism in my family that runs generations and generations. I'm identified through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. God saved me. I came out of addiction. I came out of drugs. I came out of alcoholism. God did it. God did it. God did it. To God be the glory. I shouldn't be here, but because of his grace. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, somebody praise him. Because of his grace, I'm identified through the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Amen. I'm not fighting things physically, but I am fighting some things spiritually. I'm not walking after the flesh, though. Praise God, I'm walking after the Spirit. How, why, why, why do you do that? Because that's how I'm identified. I'm identified through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. He said you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You know how you fight? You fight in the Holy Ghost. You fight in the Holy Ghost. You're not beating the air in vain. You're fighting against spirits. You're fighting against the bullies, and they're coming. But I'll tell you this, we know who wins. The devil threw everything that he had at Jesus. And Jesus said, he's got nothing, nothing, nothing in me. Calvary accomplished. Praise God. You didn't lift up your hands and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, a, I'm not identified by my failures. Woo. 
Hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise the Lord right there. You're not identified by your failures. You're identified through the work and power of Calvary. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse number one says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Paul said, we have this ministry. We've got a work to do because it identifies who we are and the cross identifies us. Praise God. I believe that as we stand together in the house of God. I believe that. Amen. We got a ministry to do. We got a work to do. Amen. I can't get isolated because of spiritual attacks in my life to I until I take a back seat and everything closes around me and I'm in a, my own mind. No, I got to come boldly before the throne of grace and say, God, I'm not identified. I'm not identified by the world, not by the accuser of the brethren, not by anything, but through the empowerment of Calvary and the cross. Amen. You identify me through your power and your ability. I wonder if there's somebody in the house of God that would say, you know what? We've got a ministry and a work to do. It's not going to be a house that looks like it's unlived in, but God, I want to step forth and commit my life to the work of God and the ministry of God. And when the enemy comes, hallelujah, I'm going to be working. Praise God. It's not going to be empty. It's not going to be empty and garnished and left and looks like it's been abandoned. But I'm going to be here. Praise God. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be doing the work. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Every Sunday school teacher ought to already be out of your pew. Hallelujah. Every T-Rockets work, worker ought to be out of the pew. Praise God. Every youth worker should be in the front tonight. Every Bible study person, every teacher, every ministry that we do, we got a ministry to do. We know that hope is Praise God, praise God, praise God. Come on, press in here, press in here, press in here. God, help me, help me, help me. Help me push myself into the ministry of the work. Hallelujah, let me be busy in the kingdom. the burden is coming from for this message let me tell you you know how many times I've talked to people and have asked them they don't even know how they got to where they are they're just cold and different and you say how do you how did you get where you are explain that to me articulate that well I don't know no you know dig deep tell me how did you just end up apathetic not caring laps of days ago you know what happens most of the time? They say, well, 
and stop praying. I didn't get to church as much as I should have. I got complacent sitting on a pew. And before I knew it, all of a sudden I was distracted by so many things. I wasn't at work in the kingdom of God. And then when the attack came and the bullies came, I wasn't prepared for it and it just wiped me out. That's, that's what I'm preaching here tonight. I don't want to see anybody in this house talking to me somewhere down the road saying, you know what? I just, we heard it preached this morning. This is the second part of it. The way that you do what you need to do and look for the day approaching, you thrust yourself into the work of God. Everything that you got, hallelujah, you keep praying, you keep seeking God, you keep teaching. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God. Hallelujah, that's how you stay relevant. Praise God, come on. We need to lift our voice and pray, God, come on. Help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me be on fire. Sonia, I want you to come stand right here. We've made some major, major shifts and change in children's ministry. And I appreciate grown adults, mature adults, not, not taking, not being overly sensitive, but seeing the bigger picture. Sister Sonia, I appreciate that. You don't know how much I appreciate that. There's a burden and a hunger to see children's ministry. It's not about who gets the glory and who does what. And I've been doing this so long, and I don't want anybody else jumping in and blah, 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 blah haven't experienced any of that. You know why? Because they got a burden for our children and the children that come on this property every Sunday. Amen. I want them here. I want all the teachers 
If you're involved in T-Rockets and if you're involved in, in children's ministry, amen, back up a little bit so that everybody can get in here. All, all, all of you, sometimes it's up there and we don't, we, we just, we don't see it up there. And so, but I'm telling you this, this generation, I don't want to come across as angry, but you know where the battle is being fought right now? It's being fought for our kids, children. Children all the way down in, into kindergarten, first, second, third grade. Praise God. We need, a, we need a children's ministry full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. With a passion and a hunger and a desire to see God save our children. But not just our children, but to see God do great things among them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ministry, I want you to step up to all of these that are gathered here. We're going to pray for them that the anointing of God and the hand of God. Hallelujah. Come on, quickly, quickly. Praise God, everybody else. I want you to pray earnestly, fervently in the Holy Ghost. God, help us, help us. Help us in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let there be a revival that breaks out because we're found doing what we're supposed to be doing. There's a ministry that you called us to. Hallelujah, we're reaching out to it. We're trusting in you. We're believing in you. Hallelujah, God, you're going to help us. We're not defined by the world and everything else that's going on in the world, but we are defined by the power of Calvary and the blood of Calvary and the ability that you give to us and empower us through the Spirit. We pray these things. Hallelujah, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. quizzing, you're coaching, you help whenever they have practice, step up here. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Praise God. Praise God. Come on, let's lift up our voice together. Empower these people. Strengthen these people. Hallelujah. God, wear them out in the kingdom. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, church. Help us pray. Help us pray in the Holy Ghost. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on. Let's do some spiritual warfare in the house of God tonight. Hallelujah. When the bullies come, there's going to be something that is greater that rises up against it. I thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. with that cry. God, help me. Use me. Help me. Use me. Let me step into a dimension of ministry, doing the work.
Praise God. We need to pray for our young people. Amen. It may look insurmountable. Our, our world may look unbreakable. Praise God, but there's a God that is greater than all of that. Amen. Praise God. We need to pray for our young people that God would strengthen them. We would pray for all of them here tonight. Brother Casey's preaching in Fresno. And we're grateful for all the youth committee and everything that they're doing. We need a youth ministry that is vibrant, on fire for God. Praise God. And we need to stand in solidarity with them. Praise God. There's a lot of, I'm telling you, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of dissatisfaction and buyer's remorse. And it's starting to appear. But there's been such a push on the transgender agenda that the glitz and glamour that has been produced with the narrative of all of that has caused young people to do stuff at a very early age and families to involve their kids at a very early age before they really, really get the ramifications of what they've done. Listen. You don't know what you are, where you are, what ends up or down at 14 years, well, let alone seven or eight or nine. I don't even want to go, I mean, I don't want to get old. I don't like that either, but I, would, I don't want to go back to the days of teenage years. Right? Trying to find yourself and identity and the whole dating thing, oh. Will I be accepted, not accepted, all those questions? It's, it's, a, it's a crazy world. And, and our world is promoting stuff. You can't even drink alcohol until you're, until you're 21, but you can change your sex? This just makes no sense. There is such confusion and chaos in our world that's being promoted and driven, and, and, and we're going to have to deal with that and face with that in our family circumstances, people coming in. It's a crazy I don't even know how we're going to do it. We need the Holy Ghost to, to, to figure out some of this stuff. But somewhere, somebody's going to say, you know what? I've been sold a bill of goods. And I need a church. There are broken people in our world that need healing. I know where there's a healer. It's in the house of God. I know his name. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our voice and let's pray for our young people, our youth ministry, our children. God. We thank you and praise you. It takes up the lion's share of all the ministries that take place in a church. But it's worth fighting for. We need revival. We need the power of God. We need the Holy Ghost. Praise God. We need committed people. We need successful people. We need anointed people. Hallelujah. We need people with a burden. We thank you, Lord, and praise you. In Jesus' name.